How do I do my taxes? What's a credit limit? Where can I find a doctor? When's the best time to move? Who can I ask about all this? And why wasn't I taught how to be an adult? Hi, I'm Kathy. And I'm Genevieve. And, and we're, we're just, just as lost as you are. Come along with us as we journey through the weird, confusing, and sometimes scary world of adulthood. Every week, we'll talk with experts and those who have been there, done that, to answer your questions and ours. And on this edutainment podcast, we'll finally learn how to be an adult. So come on. Enjoy the Society of Grownups. Hello, grownups. Welcome back to another episode of Society of Grownups. We are your hosts. I'm Genevieve. Genevieve, my Wi-Fi completely cut off. And I'm Kathy, and we're so glad to see you here again this week. How are you? I'm doing good. I've been focusing a lot on skincare. I'm in love with gua sha. If you haven't tried it, I definitely recommend it. I've been really taking the time to just do things that make me feel good and make me feel happy. You know, skin, getting my skincare regimen, getting into routines for myself. I feel like morning rituals and nighttime rituals are so essential to me lately. It just makes a world of a difference. I feel the same way. Like my morning routine is very integral. I'm not a morning person. Mm My um, night routine is also very integral in making sure I go the fuck to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. So how are you? How's everything going on in your life? Um, I'm good. I currently am possibly suffering from a very mild concussion. Um, (laughs) I'm okay. I really am. Went sledding a couple like last week and fell off the sled and did like a somersault. And a couple hours later, I had like a very slight headache, but I ended up talking to the doctor and he said, you know, like, it's probably very mild if it's a concussion at all. Cause like, I didn't throw up. I didn't pass out. I didn't see stars. I didn't have any sort of like memory issues. Um, You got to take it easy the next few days. I know. Yeah. Got to take it easy. (laughs) It's really hard. Take it easy. I know. I'm just trying to imagine you at home, like almost like a hamster on its wheel, just trying to. Yeah. Well, I'm, Get everything I'm, done yeah. when you're supposed to rest. No, I've calmed down today. I haven't done. I've done a couple things on the computer today, which like being on screens doesn't really like affect my headache or anything. I'm glad you're OK, because it definitely could have been a lot scarier. Um, I've mostly just been having phone calls with people, which has actually been That's really good. nice. It's good. Yeah. It's also good to step away from social media. Yeah. Social media can be really bad for your mental health, which speaking of, of mental it. health. So our guest today, Juan Romero Gotti, was born and raised in Venezuela, where he graduated from medical school and later moved to the U.S. to start a psychiatry residency. He graduated as a psychiatrist from the University of Illinois in 2019. He recently started a new practice called Equal Mental Health in Chicago, which is a safe space for the LGBTQ plus community and its allies to receive mental health services. Please welcome to the show, Dr. Gaddy. Yeah, so I'm actually from Venezuela. I moved to the United States about 10 years ago. I did my residency here in psychiatry. And then I have been practicing for about mm, almost three years now. And recently I started this journey of having my own practice. And I, I see patients in general, adults in general, but I have a focus on the LGBTQ plus community. Which we love because there needs to be mm-hmm. more of that always. Yeah. yeah. Because there's definitely not enough. Um, it's so cool you have your own practice. I would feel like such a badass. <laughs> it, it's, oh, a yeah. it's a oh, little more. I can sure imagine. Yeah. And right. even like you're in your office right now, but I thought you were yeah. at home because it's just so nicely decorated and it looks so cozy. 
Yeah. yeah. No, that, that was one of the first things. I was like, if I'm going to have my practice, I want my office to look very different. I don't want one of those boring offices that there's nothing on the walls. And I wanted to make it fun, to make it comfy for patients. And also they can know a little bit about me, you know. Um, when you walk here, you, you can definitely know a little bit of who is your psychiatrist. I always say that coming and seeing a psychiatrist is just like really anxiety provoking, you know, um, or a therapist, because then you're going to a, a place that you never have been there. You're meeting with this stranger, completely a stranger, and then you're going to talk about really difficult stuff, pretty likely, right? And then on top of that, pretty likely they're going to ask you so many questions about it. So I think that the best thing is to have like a, a, a space where the patient can feel comfortable. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of sad things, <laughs> I guess that's a transition. <laughs> yeah. uh, so mental health, there's a lot of stigma around it, unfortunately. Yeah. Why do you think there's so much stigma against mental illness? And what are some common ones that you've either seen or dealt with or some of your patients have told you about? Yeah. I think it's basically because it's that thing that we cannot see. I think that that's basically the, the foundation for all this stigma. It's like, you know, there's depression, there's anxiety, there's other mental health conditions out there, but we don't see it. Like, you know, the patient that is next to you can be dealing with all that stuff and you are not even aware. Um, so I think that is different from other physical medical conditions in that regard. And I think that that's why it's so hard for people to, you know, to openly talk about it. But I also think that it's always up to the person if you want to let the other people know about it. I also think that, you know, we have this, not everybody, but I think that some people have this idea that once you're diagnosed with a mental health condition, this is a lifelong condition and it's not going to get better. And if you start medications, you're always going to be taking this medication forever. And that is not the case in most of the cases. So I think that there's a lot of, you know, um, there's a lot of education that we need to do about that. Um, I think that also in the, I think that there's a generation, you know, in the, that that grew up seeing these cases where someone would be in the hospital for years. So they have already that kind of um, idea in their mind that every single mental health condition is like that. Um, but it's very different. Now we know many other things that we didn't know several years ago. And, and, and you know, it's part of our health, just in general. And it's as important as sort of physical, medical health. You summed it up really well by saying you can't see it. And that's such right. a good point. Yeah. You know, when someone has a broken leg, you can see it. Or when mm -hmm. someone needs surgery, you see the scars. And it's just, yeah, I think, I think that's a really good way to put it. And it's so a lot of people, myself included, have a difficult time understanding something they can't see. If you try to explain physics to me, I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah. molecules in the air and this mm -hmm. and that, like, I can't see it. So I don't understand it. Yeah. I didn't realize either that you can be diagnosed with a mental illness and then not like, does it go away? Yeah. It depends on the condition. So um, the most common ones, like mood disorders, like for example, depression or anxiety, they're pretty common. And, um, you know, the biggest question that I get when a patient comes to see me is like, well, I'm afraid that you're going to start a medication and then I'm going to be dependent to this medication. And, you know, for a lot of conditions, I know, let's clarify, there's some conditions out, like psychosis, for example, like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder that they will need treatment for the rest of your life 
and we have to clarify that. But there are also other conditions that, you know, for different reasons, maybe there's a lot of stress or out of nowhere, the symptoms get worse, you need medication, and you can be taking medication for a while. Um, I usually, most of the time in, in cases of anxiety or depression, I recommend to at least take it for like six months to a year. But then after that, if the patient is doing well, I'm the first one to actually, you know, start talking about, okay, where do we go from here now? Um, do you want to decrease the medication and see what happened? Um, do you want to stop the medication? How do we do that? Um, but also a lot, of the, a lot of the time what happened is that um, the patient will be doing well and they're taking the medication and then they say, okay, no, I just don't want to take that risk. I prefer to continue taking the medication. Um, but I think that it's always an option, like depending on your diagnosis, the, the, there's always the option of decreasing the medication and be completely off of the medication. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, neither well, did and, I. Yeah. And the other thing that I recommend is like sometimes you need the medication to put you in a better place to engage in other type of treatment. For example, mm. going to therapy is very anxiety provoking, including yeah. myself. Um, I do therapy on the weekly basis, but it's difficult for me. Like for me, going to an office to talk to someone, first, mm -hmm. I don't like it via um, telehealth. I prefer in person. But then going there, it just makes me feel anxious. And it's because I start like mm -hmm. thinking about, you know, what am I going to talk about? And, um, and what my therapist is going to say about this, all that kind of stuff. And then sometimes people will need some medication to decrease their anxiety, decrease their symptoms of depression. And then that will help them to engage in therapy. And hopefully the idea is that, you know, in a few months, in a year or whatever time it is, um, you can start actually decreasing the medication and you can just continue your therapy. And like I always say, therapy is great because there's no side effects. It's not another substance or medication that you're putting into your body. So, um, and it's going to help you likely for the rest of your life. It's like you're learning stuff that is going to stick with you. Um, so sometimes people need that just to explore other types of treatment. We love therapy here at Society of Grownups. I think we yeah. say it every episode. No, every episode <laughs> we're like, everyone should go to therapy. Everyone we should love go to therapy. therapy. We love therapy. Yeah, yeah, we're both in therapy. We love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So why do you think medication still gets such a bad rep? And do you have any advice for dealing with anybody in our lives who doesn't believe medication is a valid form of treatment for mental illness? I always, what I, the first thing that I do is like to compare it with all, with other health conditions. Um, you know, um, just a few days ago, I, I found a comment in one of my TikToks saying like, I was talking about side effects and someone said, well, is, is, it's our fault because we say yes to this kind of medications. And I'm like, well, would you say that to someone that is saying yes to control that blood pressure? Would you say that to someone that is getting a medication control to control their diabetes or headaches or any other health condition? And I think that that is really important to compare mental health with any other kind of um medical or physical health, because at the end of the day, it's not that different. It is about the same. It's pretty much the same. So I start comparing that, but also I know that there's people that they are not ready to take medication. Um, sometimes they feel that by coming to see a psychiatrist, they are going to leave this office with a bunch of medication. And that is not necessarily the case. I think that part of my job is to provide education about what we can do. And if medication is something that they really don't want, we can also explore other options. 
um, psychotherapy. There's other treatments out there, RTMS. And now we have also like ketamine treatment. And we always uh, talk about those kind of things. Um, but also in some cases, when I feel like the, the condition is pretty severe, I have to be honest. I'm like, I think that this will be unlikely to get better if we don't do this or that. But yeah, I think that the first thing that I, that I do and what I recommend to do is actually trying to see it from the perspective of any kind of health condition. You know, not seeing it as a mental health condition, seeing it just like your health. It is your health. and I Mental health is health. And I think, and I think we've come a long way in how we look at mental health and perceive it. But I mean, we're nowhere near, you know, I, I made like a tweet once during, um, met world mental health day, you know, you can't call in sick to work for depression. I mean, you right. can, but do you know what I mean? You know, people yes. or you can't, you know, you can't call and just work sick or sick into work because you're anxious. I mean, we just interviewed a grief counselor and she said people get, what was it, Kathy? Four days for bereavement? It was three days. That's such three days. Bullshit. Three days for bereavement in Canada. Yeah. It's, yeah, I can't, it is. It's you crazy. know, it it's doesn't bananas. make sense. I mean, it sucks that people have yeah. to take their personal days to if they're having a mental health crisis or if they're just, you know, experiencing a mental health episode. And it's just, it, uh -huh, it makes me so upset. And I think also too, it can mm -hmm. be really scary. You know, if you right. had a patient come in and saying that their medication isn't right for them, like, how do you know if your medication that you've been taking for, let's say a little while now, isn't working for you? Yeah. So I think there's a good point. It's not for everybody. Like the, no, every single medication is going to work for everybody. And I think that the other thing that is, is important to, to clarify and to talk about is like, okay, these are the potential benefits from the medication, but where are the potential side effects? And this is when sometimes people think that I'm kind of being pessimistic about it because for example, I, I, another video I was talking about side effects and is if someone say, well, it seems like you are discouraging other people to use the medication. And I say, no, I'm being honest. Like we have to look at what are the potential benefits from the medication and what are the potential side effects. And that can be from, you know, something very simple as a headache that will resolve after a couple of days on the medication, but you have other really severe things like serotonin syndrome. Is it common? No, it's not common at all. I have never had one of my patients suffer from serotonin syndrome. I hope it doesn't happen anytime soon or ever, but is it still there? The risk is still there. I need to let you know about that. Um, and more to, the, to, the, to, the, to your question, some people is taking a, a medication for such a long time and it gets to the point that they don't know if the medication is even working. And then the question is like, well, do you think that you're in a good place to start decreasing this, this medication? Because most of the time they're already in the maximum dose. So we cannot do that. So we always have to talk what can happen if we decrease the medication. Because really commonly what happens is that the, the patient doesn't know if this medication is helping them with their depression or anxiety or whatever they're taking it for. But then if you stop the medication all of a sudden, then you probably notice that the medication was doing more than what you thought it was doing. So this is a really, that can be a really risky and, and difficult decision. I definitely recommend to do it as slow as possible in most of the cases. Um, but it's definitely a conversation to have with the patient about what can happen if we do this and how we want to approach that, that situation. 
So what could happen if somebody does stop taking their medication cold turkey? It depends on the medication. So some medications are pretty good about that and they have a really long half-life, which means like you stay in the system for, for a long time and it can be weeks before the medication start, you know, the level of the medication start decreasing. What can happen at that time is that maybe the symptoms of the mental health condition, they start coming back. But there are other medications that are meant to be taken every single day. And if you miss one dose or you decide to stop it um, all of a sudden, you can have withdrawal effects. And that basically means that you start feeling sick. You, it can be the question that I always get, like, well, how does that look? And I think that is so different from one person to another. It can be headaches, it can be dizziness, it can be fatigue, problems with sleep, more anxiety, so many things. Um, but it's definitely depending on the medication that you're taking. Um, the bottom line is that if you stop taking a medication that you really need, I mean, potentially there can be a crisis. Um, it may not be right the next day, but it could be a few weeks from now. So talk to a professional before doing that, because I know people that have just flat out stopped taking their medication. Mm -hmm. And again, going back to, you know, if you're taking medication for diabetes or high blood pressure and you just stop taking it, even birth control, you stop taking it, your body's like, oh, guess you're done. And everything's going to go all haywire and Mm -hmm. crazy. Um, No pun intended, although I shouldn't. (laughs) Well, not 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 crazy, but a little just not yourself. Yeah. Well, no, no, I mean, just your body, I feel like, isn't going to know what to do because it's so used to getting this thing. It's lacking or doesn't have for so long. And if you just stop taking it, it's, I know it's, I know it's not good. Um, plus it depends. Some, some medications are so intense, like lithium. I know people that, uh, when they, they were diagnosed with bipolar disorder very young and they started out taking lithium and that was so intense. They had to go in once a month and check their blood and this, and yeah. that. I know it's not as used anymore, but, um, yeah, if they ever stop taking that, that, that would be yeah. so bad. Yeah. So yeah. So for example, that's, a, that's a good, um, uh, example that now medications, most of them, they don't, they don't require to check the level, but still lithium is still um, one of those options out there. And definitely, for example, lithium can be, um, is either way. You don't want to stop at all of the sudden, but also you don't want to increase the dose on your own because it can be toxic at certain point. Um, but I think that it's always, it comes down to being honest to your provider. I think that the relationship with the provider is really important um, because if you want to do something, even though if it's against what they're recommending, I think you should be honest about that um, because your psychiatrist or your doctor may not be recommending to stop the medication, but if you're going to do it, it's better if you do it in a safer way that what, you know, that would be just to stop the medication all of a sudden. For sure. Don't decide that this isn't working for you and then don't tell your doctor and go to cold turkey and have terrible side effects. I've been there. It sucks. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> what, don't do you, what happened? Do you mind talking about well, it? Well, yeah. So I, I have ADHD. I was on Concerta for almost a year and I don't know what it was, but Concerta gave me terrible anxiety, terrible chest pain. I was so amped up. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't like push myself to do workouts because like my heart would beat so fast. And then I couldn't get in contact with my psychiatrist. I was like, fuck it. And I just stopped taking it. And after that, 
whew, again, oh, like no. it takes a while for that for that shit to leave your system. So I was still like shaky, you know, still had chest pains. And then as soon as the medications like wear it off, I was thankfully OK. But <laughs> from right. my experience, do not do it. Why yeah. would. Okay. I'm going to ask your professional opinion. Why? Okay. So because ADHD is essentially you, it's very difficult for you to focus, but why, why would the medication make her focus less and like shake and be all like, I feel like it's doing the opposite. It was Shouldn't a stimulant. It- yeah. Oh, should so yeah. not take a stimulant if you have ADHD? Dr. Well, Gaddy, if, should you? <laughs> I think that what is really important to know is if you have just ADHD or there's some another component. So what sometimes happens is that someone can have ADHD and they can have also other conditions. For example, anxiety that is so common. Who at some point in our lives we struggle with anxiety. So most of the medications for ADHD, not all of them, but most of them, what they do is that they are stimulants. They they increase dopamine, and that helps you with like feeling more productive, more energy. You can focus on your work and everything that you have to do at home. But the not so good part of that is that it can increase your anxiety. It can make you more anxious it can also disrupt your sleep you can feel shaky um, palpitations um there's more severe side effects but those are the most common ones it's a very stimulant medication so if there's another component of your you know your presentation there's some anxiety or something else going on the medication can help with the symptoms of the ADHD but it can also make the other condition worse um, that's why sometimes there, we have patients that they have been diagnosed with ADHD. It's clear that they have the condition, but they still cannot take um, like Concerta or Vibans or Adderall because they are too stimulant. They're they very activating medication for them. Oh, it is definitely oh, yeah. an activating yeah. medication. Like that sounds yeah. like cocaine. Yeah, oh yeah well, gosh. like I would take I would take my my first dose in the morning. Like I would get in the habit of taking it ASAP, like five, six AM. Right. But then it would still be like 10, 11, and I still could not sleep. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And if you look at um, for example, Adderall and meth, like the strict drug meth, they're pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. substance um so of course the, what happened with this medication is that they are in a capsule a tablet we're controlling the dose but that doesn't mean that they can know you can have a, a reaction from um, these medications and i think that that's also a really really important thing to talk about with your um with your doctor because you know, sometimes people come here and they feel like, okay, I'm getting this medication. It's going to resolve my issues. I'm going to be doing much better at work. But then uh, if they have the side effects, probably it's going to be completely the opposite. So it's very important to be honest about, you know, what are the benefits of a medication, but also what can be the side effects? How long should you take a medication to see its full side effects and see if they go away? Like how long should you wait and not deal with it, but I guess put up with it? Yeah. Well, especially because I know that there's a lot of medications that are kind of a slow buildup. Like you need to take it for months or even like years for you to get the full effects. It, it, It comes down to what type of medication you're using. The most common example is SSRIs, which we use quite often for anxiety and depression. These are medications that they take at least two to four weeks 
two weeks, you're kind of lucky if you notice a benefit. Most of the time, it's around four weeks. Some, basic, some patients will take even six to eight weeks to notice the benefits from the medication. But it's what is very interesting about this medication is that the benefits can take all these, you know, few, several weeks, but then the side effects can happen even the first day that you take the medication. So most of the time, what I see is like a patient is concerned about I'm having all these side effects. I notice no benefit from the medication. I'm going to stop the medication. So it depends. Sometimes um, if the side effects are very mild, I always say my patients give it some time because most of them after a week, they just resolve. However, if they're really severe side effects or the side effects, they don't go away. Um, the, the patient is having problems, you know, getting work done to function the regular activities um, during the day. Then it means that it's not the right medication for them. Um, and then we'd have to explore other options. But I will say that depend, it, it, it comes down to what kind of medication you're using. Um, a lot of them, most of the medications that we use in psychiatry, it takes at least a few weeks to notice the benefits. Um, but again, side effects can happen right away. Also, too, I feel like it's really important that people know Adderall is like not meth, but kind of because people were popping that like nobody's business in high school and yeah. college and yeah. before essay. Oh, like I know so many people that recreationally did it, and uh, I also heard that like Ritalin is called poor man's coke. Is that true? Uh, it's like a stimulant. So I never heard like that, but I'm pretty yeah. sure someone I know that was actually was addicted to it, uh, used to say that. And yeah. So, yeah. So they're oh, wow. all in that category of stimulants. So, mm-hmm. um, when it comes to like a sweet drugs, we have like meth, cocaine, uh, crack cocaine, those kind of medications. But then when you look at medications like Adderall and Ritalin, they're also stimulants. And they can work in a really similar way of course they are controlled, like the amount that you're taking and the presentation. But that doesn't mean that you cannot have the same side effects. Um, if you have, for example, a cardiovascular disease, um, like a heart condition, probably it's not the best if you're taking this medication. Or at least you have to monitor that. Right. So don't take meds if they're not prescribed to you. The yeah. And also, <laughs> yeah, listen to yeah. your doctor too. Cause my doctor, when I was on Concerta, he was super um, honest with me because I was really into the gym at the time. And he goes, you cannot do crazy workouts. Don't do CrossFit. Don't do F45. Don't do any of those things. Cause I've, ha- I've lost patients who was on like these stimulant medications and oh my God. They, have, they would have heart attacks. And even because wow, yeah. I was, yeah. And I was also training with um, my cousin at the time, who's a personal trainer and he was doing research on it and people actually take these medications so that they can lift more and so that they can perform better, which is also, it makes sense. Cause at that some point I was like squatting like over 200 when I was taking the medication. So it like, it's a lot. So I, I do see how people do kind of take advantage of the effects, but also talk to your doctor. <laughs> also, yeah, too, sure. a lot of times people yeah. are partying and they're mixing them with alcohol or other street drugs yeah. or marijuana. Yeah. No, just don't. It's not it, message Dr. Gaddy. Get unsolicited <laughs> advice. Just kidding. 
<laughs> no, but I think it's really it's really important to have those conversations because um, because definitely uh, you know you have this, the the potential side effects, but then of course if there's something else like alcohol, then the situation gets a little bit messy because then your body's not dealing with just one drug, but now two. So it, it gets pretty complicated. So I think that it's good to talk to your doctor about that and being honest, you know. Um, sometimes people feel like, you know, that the doctor is going to be judging you about it. We always have the, the responsibility of like educating you. Uh, but but I think that the, at the end of the day, it's important to be honest. So your doctor knows what can happen and he can actually educate you about, about that. Also too, if your doctor's judging you, they're not a good doctor. Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Another thing that quite uh, that happens pretty often is I ask my patients if they do you miss a dose of the, the medication, and most of them they, I can see in their face they're kind of like hesitating to be honest. And I do it because it's it's normal that sometimes you will forget to take your medications. But if this is kind of like an issue that happens on a regular basis, there are probably better medications for you that the effect is longer. And if you miss one dose, it won't be a big deal. Um, rather than other ones that, you know, if you miss one, then you're going to feel kind of sick and they're not going to be effective. That's a good point too. That's a very and good point. Yeah. I'm curious. So let's a doctor lose their license. Let's say if they um, give the wrong medication or if somebody has like a really bad um, reaction to it, is it, like, is that a possibility? So you know, if, if you're taking a medication, we can spend more than an hour just talking about what can happen. But I think that you have to make sure that the patient knows that there's like these kind of side effects that are kind of common. These ones are, you know, maybe not so common, but they are more severe. Um, you know, having that conversation about what can happen. Um, but it's definitely, I think that it's part of the responsibility of the doctor to talk. Like, like I was saying, like it we're really good about talking about the good things that can happen, but we also have to be honest about what are those things that maybe are not so good about the medication. Do you know, do you know the, the musical next to normal? No, no. Okay. We're theater students. Can you tell? Love that. (laughs) We both have theater degrees. Um, So next to normal, it's a musical about this family and the mother is uh, bipolar with a, psychosis like psychotic Uh episodes so she Mm -hmm. she sees or she sees stuff that isn't there that's another big thing of the show and she has a whole song about how um she is taking she's trying a bunch of medications and that's like a whole other issue is people have a cocktail and they have to change and not everything works the first time but basically at the end she's listing all these symptoms and the end of the song says you know, she says, I feel nothing. And then they end the song by saying patient is stable. And I think a huge concern is when people go on medication, they're scared. Am I just going to feel nothing? I know people who have gone on medication and they were a complete robot. They had no emotions, yeah. anything like that. It's a really good musical. Definitely watch it. Um, they also do, electro, they also do electroshock therapy in it, which I know that's very, very controversial. Uh, and that's that's what probably a whole other episode. But if you can somehow get your hands on like a bootleg copy on YouTube or something like that, definitely watch it because it's 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 really good. And it shows how her mental illness affects the rest of the family uh, before we like wrap up the medication section. If that was a concern for someone, so let's say you recommend a medication and someone says, you know, doctor, I really am nervous that it's going to take away my personality or that I won't feel anything. What would you say to them? Or what would you say to our listeners who have that concern? 
Yes, so very frequently. I had um, patients that they say, I try a medication before, it makes me feel the most common, um, um, you know, phrase or, or way that they explained it to me. It's like, I felt like a zombie. And I didn't feel anything. It was like my, my mood was just flat. I wasn't sad, but I wasn't happy. So that is something that we call emotional blunting or emotional dullness. It's basically because of that. You feel dull. There's no, your mood is no happy, it's no sad. It's just very flat. And that's a side effect from antidepressants. Most of the time antidepressants, but it can be other medications. And what I always explain is that's not how the medication should make you feel. Um, if the medication is making you feel like that, then at least we need to explore other options. I will also say that, you know, in some cases, when someone has a really, really severe um, mental health condition and you see that the patient has this kind of effect that they don't feel anything, um, <clears throat> sometimes it comes down to like, there's not a better option. They try everything else. And then this is the only thing that keeps the, the, the patient, like you say, stable. It's not ideal, but in some cases, coming out of that medication will have even a worse um, outcome. Um, but those are few cases. If you're someone that is struggling with anxiety, depression, and you feel like one medication makes you feel just like, like a robot, like, like a zombie, then talk to your doctor about it because that's not the, the, the intention. That is not the goal with the treatment. The treatment is that you can feel your emotions, but you are able to cope with those emotions in a more healthy way. That's good advice. Thank you. <laughs> I hope everyone's listening. Uh, can you explain the difference between a therapist, psychologist, and a psychiatrist? Yeah. So usually a therapist is like a pro term. Um, it basically means a provider that provides psychotherapy. So this can be a social worker. It can be a psychologist. It can be a licensed counselor. It can be a psychiatrist as well. So basically, it's a, it's a person that provides therapy, and it can be different. There's so many types of different um, psychotherapists. Um, now, in terms of psychology, this is someone that has a PhD. So they are a doctor, but they didn't go to med school. Some of them in some states, can now they can prescribe medication, but not necessarily they do therapy. They can do other things. Um, one of the things that they can do is that they can do assessments. They can do research. So even though they're able to provide um, to provide therapy, that's not the only thing that they are qualified to do. Um, then in terms of a psychiatrist, a psychiatrist is someone that went to med school. Um, and then the biggest difference is that we, we have, the assessment that we do is a little bit different in terms that there's a particular part of the assessment is medical. And then the biggest difference is that we can prescribe medication. Now, some psychiatrists, they just provide medication and they just do medication management. And that's why their appointments are pretty uh, brief, like 20 minutes or half an hour. But um, some of us, we also do therapy. Some psychiatrists, they will do what, what we call combined therapy. So it's basically you go um, every so often to the office and then um, the psychiatrist will be providing medications. 
but also at the same time, they will do psychotherapy during the sessions. So they're like the whole pack. You're like the whole package. You do it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of, but I will say also that in, in a lot of cases, um, in terms of assessments, I think that psychologists are, are really good about that. They're definitely the ones that are qualified to do assessment to, you know, to, um, to know if like you said, if this ADHD or this is like a, a learning disability or is this, um, if someone is in the autism spectrum, mm-hmm. so they're really good about that, really good about research. And I will also say that sometimes when I, when I have someone that is doing therapy and medication, depending on the case, but sometimes I prefer to, my responsibility is the medication and leave that to somebody else. Um, because it can, give, it can be pretty complicated at times, um, when you're seeing as just one person for, for everything. Um, I think it depends in, it, it is different from one person to another. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I, I've seen you enough. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see you anymore. <laughs> well, you know, and I also think that sometimes they need that. They need, yeah. they need to know uh-huh. that, okay, I'm seeing this person for my medication and this person will take care of that, but then I'm seeing yeah. my therapist and that's the person that I talk with about older mm-hmm. so behavioral right. changes and yeah. other stuff. Uh, would you be able to kind of walk us through the process of getting diagnosed? And usually, is there an average time that it takes, I guess, depending mm-hmm. on the on the mental illness? Yeah, so I think that it, it, a really good place to start is if you have a primary care doctor to ask about whatever concern you, you have. Um, and then most of the time, if it's appropriate, they will refer you to a psychiatrist. But nowadays, it's pretty common that someone can, can actually see a psychiatrist without any kind of referral. Um, I will say that if it's your first time, it can be pretty, pretty scary, anxiety-provoking. I understand that. Um, it's usually, I would say that the first visit is about 60 minutes to 90 minutes, depending on the style of the, the psychiatrist. It's usually a, a pretty much a conversation um most of the psychiatrists we don't have as you can see there's no like a medical there's no medical devices here or anything um i i will talk from my personal experience but i always let the patient take the lead and ask just like open-ended questions to explain me what's going on how can i help if someone is going to be well most of the people get anxious so if it's if it's better for someone to bring someone as a you know for support that is completely okay if you want to bring um, notes, I, I love when my patients say, well, I actually brought a list with like the questions that I want to ask. That's, that's good. Be honest. I think that that's really important to be honest. And also we are going to be asking a lot of questions and some of them may be uncomfortable. Uh, we try to do it as respectful as possible. Um, but if there's something that you don't feel comfortable talking about, that is okay. That is very much okay. Keep in mind that if you're going to continue seeing this person, you will have other opportunities to talk about something else when you feel more comfortable or when you have a, you feel better about the relationship with your psychiatrist. Um, What else can I say? I think that, well, and the other thing is that sometimes you need more than one visit to come to to the diagnosis. Um, This can happen. So, you know, sometimes people present with really typical symptoms of a condition and it's pretty easy to diagnose it. But sometimes we will need help, like help from a psychologist for an assessment. We just need more time to talk about it. 
Um, and in those cases, we, we can do another follow-up to kind of, you know, to come up to that the, the, the most appropriate um, diagnosis for your condition. Hey, grown-ups! it's your host, Genevieve here. This is now the end of part one of our interview with Dr. Gaddy. Please make sure to tune in next week for part two. Thanks for listening.